0: Today's blog on the street topic, Stop and Search.
1: Did you tell him that he, he doesn't have to give his
0: name? Did you tell him he doesn't have to give him his name? Today we will be discussing Stop and Search with the CEO of route Aware, highlighting the good, the bad, and how technology can aid the police force. I will provide you with a short scenario and then I want you to think about what you would do if you were in the same situation. You are a police officer on duty in Islington. You notice a group of four young black males standing outside Angel Tube Station. Hoodies, tracksuit bottoms, one trouser leg rolled up, the usual. Out of the corner of your eye you see it. Subtle at first and then it becomes clearer. A slight distortion in the clothing and the startled look that one young man is giving you. Your gut instincts tell you that he's hiding something, but can you be sure? noticing you he turns to talk to his friends and they all start walking off in the opposite direction watching them walk away with increasing speed you call out to your colleague they turn down the next corner whilst throwing glances in your direction over their shoulder the years you've spent working as a police officer tell you to stop them that they're acting suspicious yet you hesitate what if it was just imagined what if the search results in a negative outcome Mentally running through pieces of legislation in this morning's briefing provides a stark reminder that you can't really afford to have too many negative results. With the oath you took to serve and protect, infringing on your thoughts you decide to pursue. The group of young men notice and they start running, so you run too. This act almost confirms your initial suspicions. You have nothing to hide. Why would you run?
2: So, why would you run? Well, um, no one likes the police, that's why you would run. What do you think?
0: Okay, well, going back to when I was policing, I had a mixture of both, to be honest with you. I did have the whole, come in, have a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, we had the ones who did run, and sometimes they had something, sometimes they didn't. Mm-hmm. You also had the other sinister side of it, it's like that they do run, because they are hiding something, and they are mm-hmm. hiding drugs, or they are hiding a knife. But I remember there was always the pressure, I, well, I always felt the pressure that I didn't want to have a negative outcome, mm-hmm. because... I remember we had to fill out these little slips of paper with all our 90s. grounds and we had to yeah and you had to try and fit in all your grounds in the space of like three or four <laughs> like lines and this has got to be like the whole justification of why this stop was completely necessary and how you yeah. had gathered all this ed- evidence and you know and in that you have to add their description mm-hmm. and their ethnicity mm-hmm. and the reasons and where and it's such a tiny piece of paper yeah and And it's all fine if you find something. Yeah. But if you don't find something, then, yeah, that piece of paper becomes very important all of a sudden, right?
2: Yeah, no, totally. All is forgiven when you actually manage to get a positive um, outcome. That's what it's called, isn't it? Outcome code one, from my recollection. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you get told from a tactical perspective or, like, policing perspective in terms of professionalism, you know, the whole purpose behind stop search searches to kind of enable officers to to allay or confirm suspicions about mm-hmm. said individuals without obviously arresting them because that's a different ball game. So before arrest, you conduct these searches to actually confirm or deny your suspicions. And suspicions are just come in many different forms. You know, you go back to training, you go back to gut instinct, you go back to situations that you're in. You know, the situation that you described is, you look at someone, you look at a, a group of people Without stereotyping, but everyone does. Everyone kind of forms a bias anyway, conscious or unconscious. Unconscious is is better than conscious because then you're not actually actively stereotyping. But um, you know, you look at your training, and you think, okay, well, what what can I do here? You know, let's let's look at the powers available to me. So I've got the very basic. You got a section one of Pace 1984, and you've got like a section twenty three, misuse of drugs, and But both of those allow you to to search people, you know, whilst Mm -hmm. you've set up reasonable grounds. But But it's not as easy as that.
0: But I think in terms of public perception, sometimes Mm. it gets um, misunderstood where people think that you're stopping and searching someone in a preventative manner. It's like you're trying to prevent crimes. That's Mm. why you're stopping and searching. But it's not. It's actually more responsive. Like it's a reactive action you're taking because you yeah. need to have these reasonable grounds to begin with mm-hmm. to even conduct the search mm-hmm. so it's not as simple as um oh we're targeting this area we're just going to stop and search everybody who comes across because that's just the area we're targeting we're not allowed to do that and I think a lot of people don't realize that that actually you can only stop and search someone if you have reasonable grounds mm. or you suspect them and yeah. it's to confirm as you said earlier to is to confirm your suspicions rather than to prevent crime and you know just in a particular area so you can't just stop
2: and search people well i guess if you put
0: but do people but do people do that
2: yeah of course they do do they still of course they do absolutely the thing is you're never going to take the, the human element out of stop and search right and the human element comes from experience there is no way that you're just going to be a police officer and as you said there's a tiny bit of paper that you can write a little bit on about your reasonable grounds right but your reasonable grounds are based on your experience you get taught and trained to look for certain things you know if there is a large group and they are passing little shiny objects or based on the intelligence around the area they've it's been known for knife crime or the smell of drugs or whatever it may mean but you as a police officer are still a person and and from a personal perspective you've had experiences with that group of people or the way that someone looks, whether they're wearing a hoodie or whether they're somewhere down a dark alley or they look at you in a really shifty way and you inform the basis of your grounds from that. But I think other people don't just inform it. They just use it as their grounds. They use their experiences that they've had and they just jump the gun because they don't get it. They just don't get what what Section 1 actually says, first of all. They don't get... Mm -hmm. What, what grounds means. They don't get that there is unconscious bias. They don't understand all of that. And as you said, we get lucky a lot. And and to be quite frank, over the last ten years, we haven't got as lucky. It's, it's a skill. It's a skill to be a police officer. It's a skill to be able to use that gut instinct and justify it through relevant searching powers under pace or misuse of drugs. It's a skill to go into a certain area and defuse it, or it's a skill to basically ask some questions and then build grounds. All of this is a skill. And I think that the big thing that we're missing out on is building up that skill. Because we've, we've changed policing now so much so that it's not seen as a, a vocation or a skill. Um, and the gray areas that takes time to build up, the confidence, the communication skills, um, the understanding of like the crime cycle, and the experience gained from other officers because again I questioned it, um, rightly so sometimes and sometimes I said I'm not searching this person because I don't think I've got ground. It's only gonna it's only gonna get worse. The relationships created by that group of group of youths that you've talked about. You know, they're running. And again, me, you would just run after them, rightly or wrongly, you just chase, right? And and now people don't even chase. Have you seen the size of these people? Some of them coming into the job. My God.
0: Hey, hey, listen, listen. Some of us don't like cardio. No, I'm one of those
2: people. I it don't like cardio. Listen, right? <laughs> there's, there's there's, three distances you need to concentrate on, right? It's 20 meters, 100 meters, and 400 meters. If you don't catch someone in 20 meters, you're going to have to try and catch them in 100. If you don't catch them in 100, you're going to have to try and catch them in 400. So my tip to anyone is get that 20 meter sprint. Get it done. You don't need to like cardio. You just need to sprint for 20 meters. Tops, 100 meters. Because if you don't, Okay. That person is long gone, right? And
0: so, so let's, well, okay, well let's let's touch on that the sort of racial biasness then oh, before it, we, you go for we that. Have,
2: Pull that card well,
0: because, out. Yeah, because we were talking about how you know a certain group of youths, mm-hmm. and why is it always a youth? You know, maybe the biggest drug dealers out there, the ones carrying, carrying weapons, aren't youths. Maybe they're in their, of they're not. I don't know, mid forties, and they're wearing suits and they're walking Absolutely. down you know, Covent Garden mm-hmm. in broad daylight and nobody yep. ever stops to check them. Uh-huh. So why? Like, do you, maybe if the youths just dress better, is that what we're trying to say? That they wouldn't <laughs> get stopped and searched so much?
2: Yeah. Give them yeah, a suit. They would. They would.
0: Pop, to, pop to, pop to Prime Marnie, get yourself a suit, 100%. get yourself some nice shoes. 100%. And then you won't get stopped and searched.
2: What you're looking for is these little utes in hoodies. What you're looking for is them not being at school. What you're looking for is, well, why are they looking at me as a police officer? You know, normal members of the public would might give you a glance, um, especially if there's more than two of you about, because they're thinking something's happened, right? And mm-hmm. if not, they'll just walk on because they're not scared of you. Whereas if you are just huddled around in a little group of meerkats, kind of like pricking your head up, looking left and right and thinking, what's this copper looking at? Well, as soon as you think that, then we're going to look at you and go, well, what are you looking at? What are you up to? then we approach. And then, as you said, they starburst and that's it. Either chase or lose or or both. Um, But the the racial thing you're talking about is, you know, being in London, there's there's many different races, many different faces. And a lot lot of people or police officers don't have that training or knowledge. You know, not every police officer is from London or those inner city areas where I am. I'm from North London, you know, Tottenham and Enfield. So all day, every day. And again...
0: I just want to take a quick pause here. Whilst JP is going off on a tangent about where he's from, and it's pretty boring to be honest, I want you to think about what your ideal police force would look like. Do you think it matters where a police officer is from? And would promoting diversity within the police force make any real difference to policing? We would join the conversation now where we discuss what police officers are looking for and how machine learning can make a difference to policing. Say, for example, there's a group of men or maybe a, a mixed gender a group of young men and women who mm-hmm. are out, you know, in Canary Wharf, they're mm-hmm. having some food or drinks or whatever. Yeah. And they're passing cocaine around. Yeah. Between them.
1: Yeah. Right. Happens, but no one's
0: looking, but nobody's looking at them because we're not trained to look at them. Yeah. Because we're looking for the use. So w- where is that skill that you're saying, you know, we are saying we've got this skill and it's and it's something that we can pick out and we can identify. We can mm. find these reasonable grounds. But. Actually, we're only finding it in one kind of demographic.
2: Low hanging fruit. We're only looking for it.
0: Stiles. We're only looking for it in one demographic, of course, right?
2: Low hanging fruit, right? You know, again, if you're if you're trying to train a large number of people, the easiest thing to do is get them to do the easiest job, right? And then build up that confidence. I'm not saying that's the best way, and in fact, that's quite that's quite the opposite because you're not actually teaching them how to be the best cop, how to be the best investigator, how to really like conduct these quick psychological assessments, but it's low hanging fruit. And unfortunately low hanging fruit, when it comes down to people, comes down to the really deprived areas, especially in London, you know, like in London, it's a strange mix because you have on one end of the street or one half of the street, a really, really terrible shithole, right? Horrible estate, Full of drugs, full of violence, full of all sorts of nonsense that these people are being faced with every day. Literally on the opposite side, you know, we'll talk about this Islington. You have mm-hmm. 1.5 million pound flats, not even four houses. You know, like an like a like an old terrace house, middle terrace house, um, Edwardian or Victorian terrace house, and broken up to four flats, each of them worth 1.5 mil. On the other side, and it feels like you know the clouds are cast on badly on that way, th- they just don't have that same opportunity. But what we're going to do is we're not going to look at those nice houses because, as you said, we're not trained to. What we're going to do is look at the other group who are collected or gathered in that one spot, and one of them is bound to be slow, one of them is bound to have drugs, one of them is bound to have a knife. So let's just target them because it's easy, really, really easy. And that's what you get taught and trained to do. Sad, isn't it? You know, if you really break down prejudice, a lot of people do have a certain prejudice against a certain type or a certain gender or a certain type of um, protected characteristic. Sorry, if you arrest 10 people and 9 out of those are black and Asians, your view of crime will be based on, well, 9 out of 10 people I've arrested are black and Asians, so therefore 9 out of 10 people committing crime are black and Asians you're only going to compound the same thing so if you look at you know you, you you watch YouTube videos you watch any kind of videos or look at social media it only comes back with the stuff that you want to see isn't it it's the algorithm so if you base everything on an algorithm in terms of computer wise it's only going to spit back out what you want to see and exactly the same way of policing exactly the same way of stop and search you stop 10 black youths, half of those have knives and and and, um, and drugs and then all you're going to be doing is, well, I've got a 50% chance of nicking someone for, for drugs and knives, especially if they're black. So all I'm going to do is look at black people.
0: Following on from that, I just want to talk about some of the, the figures and the statistics that have come out recently mm. since COVID and lockdown, yeah. which yeah. is, um, I was really surprised about the fact that there's been an increase of mm-hmm. 40% of stop and searches during COVID. Now, you know, forgive my ignorance I thought everybody was meant to be locked down I thought you guys were (laughs) meant to be stuck in your house I don't really know where this increase in searches have come from you know when people are on the street we're obviously not searching them or we're too scared and then now people aren't on the street so is everybody now a target and and (laughs) out and of all the searches that were carried out Mm -hmm. only 21 percent of the searches resulted in police action Uh such as a warning or fine or or arrest you know so that's such a low percentage now i remember when i was when i was policing i would have i would have had a mini heart attack if that were my figures only 20 percent of my search results or you know had some sort of outcome i would have been freaking out that is my job going to be on the line am i going to be pulled in for you know questioning or something along those lines but these are statistics across you know across the sort of force in general one of the questions we asked you know in our blog was you know are current stop searches intelligence led no are they the ones that are, especially now with covid like you know <laughs> what's well, happening
2: well with covid i guess it's a, it's a different ball game right because as you said if we're in lockdown in various areas then it can only be intelligence led because you're not supposed to be out so therefore we can at, at least at a very very least engage with someone outside And speak to them and go, well, hello, sir, madam, what are you up to today? Aren't you supposed to be indoors? If you're not indoors, then what's the reason? And it could be shopping, it could be visiting friends, it could be just, I just want to get out. Or is it the other option of, are they out there because they're committing crime? And not all crimes refer just back to, you know, prohibited articles or items relating to theft. Or drugs. Sure, there might be some of those things on them, or they might just go and commit those offences. Um, but the the training hasn't changed. The same principles we've talked about hasn't changed. We haven't developed, our, you know, more of an understanding of stop and search through this time. In fact, we're still in the same. Sp- we're still in the same place. We're still making assumptions. We're still being mm-hmm. biased. We're still using our experiences. So why is this little black boy in Brent walking around, you know, with his little hoodie? What's he up to? It might just be he's up for a walk. It might be the, the crime element. But I know which which option the, the copper's going to think. They're going to think he's up to no good. So I'm going to stop and speak to him. Ultimately, he's going to stop and search him, regardless of what he says. And it would just happen. And it will happen time and time again.
0: And still, black males are statistically nine times more likely to be stopped. Of course they are. So despite the protests and the sort of awareness (laughs) being raised and all the political media, social media, everything, discussions around it, Mm -hmm. it hasn't actually made a difference from the sounds of things. So have you seen, well, I was going to ask you, have you seen a shift in any of the narratives through work around since Black Lives Matter protests have started? Have there been any discussions about how to conduct better policing i guess or improving or whatever the system is now
2: there has been ongoing conversations yeah of course there has but you know like there's there's two ways of looking at it first way is you can talk about it all you like you know it's a great thing it's a great conversation to have you know have a really good open debate have different people from different backgrounds sit down and have like a a proper group session where you can raise the issues and look to tackle anything that you want to tackle out of those issues. But ultimately, the second option is do something about it. You no know, Talking only gets you more conversations. And I've seen a lot of talking, I just haven't seen a lot of action. They just take it on to go, Black Lives Matter, so therefore, what we're going to do is just stop searching black people. Well, no, that's not right. I mean, you don't stop searching anyone in particular, but irrespective of their their ethnic background, you search based on intelligence. But there hasn't been an increase in teaching people to look at intelligence sources. There hasn't been a, uh, an active way of training people to get them to understand about what makes something suspicious. It's been exactly the same. So it, it okay. just because the conversation has happened, um, they haven't changed anything out of that. And, and that's why it's going to still be the same. It's not going mm-hmm. to change. Officers aren't going to change. BAMEs don't want to come into the police for whatever reason. Well, I'm here, you were there, you know, co-founder of, of of this company's here and plenty of my friends, you know, from various backgrounds, including BAME backgrounds, are in the police. But mm-hmm. what can you do? If someone doesn't want to come in, you can't force them to. And if they're going to have a negative view, even if I search them, they're going to have a negative view. What do you do? So so kind of no-win scenario, isn't it? There isn't a a respect level. You know, they keep on talking about having these liaisons with with community members or community leaders, and they have that, but they don't represent the community, really. They only represent them or they're part of whatever that community leader's about, whether it's religion or, or some other faith or, you know, they're looking at a certain age group. That's what they represent. They don't represent everyone. And if you really break it down... People don't want to engage. Like what 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 does engaging with the police mean? Oh well, either you're talking to the police, you're snitching, or you know, you're talking to the police, I'm gonna get in trouble. Or they don't see police officers as normal members of the public, which we are, as you said, you know, policing by consent. But people don't look at that. They don't see us as being part of their community. And if you don't then why are you going to talk to them?
0: People have lost faith in the police, and they've lost faith in what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And they don't believe what you're doing is correct. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to be facing more and more opposition every time you go out on patrol. Yeah. Because the people who were on your side are now questioning... Should they be on your side? Yeah. Or if they are defending you, they're now getting a backlash from other people saying, no, why are you defending these racist police officers Yeah. who are out there, you know, killing black people and stopping and searching, you know, and inconveniencing people's lives and infringing on their human rights? Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, of course. So
0: then what happens? You then don't defend the police. You may still be pro-police, but you just don't vocalize it. And then slowly, slowly, less people talk about, it, less people stick up for you, and then it just becomes this police of shit. Yeah, and <laughs> no, you're right.
2: So it it's this it's this kind of like systematic issue.
0: Just get it of it all and start all again. of it. Start afresh, yeah? yeah. So <laughs> start, start defund the up. police.
2: Defund <laughs> defund public services. Let's, let's put some money on the table Stop. and just get get a few bames right. around there and go. You have a slice of that. We need the police Mm -hmm. to help them. People still need people arresting. People still need, you know, social services still need us to bust through doors in order to conduct welfare checks, whatever it may be, or or LFB or, you know, LAS. They all need our help. They all rely on us. So the simple fact of resetting, restarting, isn't an option. The only thing that can change, and this is my genuine belief and one of the reasons that I'm here, I guess we're talking about some part of it, is... We um we're bringing technology into it, aren't we?
0: So we're gonna have a robot police force. Then there's no racial biasness. There's no, you know, well opinions, no stereotypes. We just have these uh, robots that just walk around, and you know. Well, robots.
2: I think is a bit of a stretch over the next hundred years. To be fair, I mean, I'm not saying that it won't happen, but but the very very basic premise of you said. You know, robot policing or digital policing. You know, we've got the most amount of data we've ever had. Ever. Right? And we will tomorrow we'll have even more. The day after that, month after that, year after that. Whatever. This is the pinnacle of of data, right? We've never had such access to information. Yet we still look at traditional ways. And we've discussed that over the last what fifty minutes or so, these traditional ways of some good, mostly bad. Now it's time to change the narrative. And we can't change people. But what we can change is computer systems. But again, we have to be very careful because you said that don't have biases. Well, if we, people with biases, program the computers, then they will have biases. There is, because there is no free thinking in computing or machine learning or artificial intelligence. They are only trained to do what we can do until they reach the point of, you know, free thought or, or free will which, you know, Terminator and all the rest of it says is not a good thing for us. Um, we need to train them in a very sterile way. So that's where we start. That's the option. That's the answer. The commissioner takes us on board and goes, good points, well made, lovely podcast. Um, let's see what you can do with your technology. That's where we start. We cannot change these people, but we can change the way that computers influence people. Right? in an unbiased way this is our this is our chance to bring a child into the wo- a world a digital child right? a digital little baby which you know we call melinda don't we we love her she's beautiful she's gorgeous <laughs> um amazing brains um nobody but you know she'll grow into that um, we have a chance of nurturing her and making her a better person a better person than we are but but she helps us doesn't she she shows us well these are the gaps this is what you should be targeting and that's mm-hmm. that's not colour that's not creed that's not socio-economic factors it just is what it is based on fact and if we can train her based on fact then going forward we should be able to limit all of the stuff we've talked about but again we have to be careful there is there is there is a huge gap that we can we can be angry against a certain group you know me me as being, being part of the BAME background of having stops and search. I can just be targeted. I can go, you know what? I'm going to build Melinda to just target white people. It's our chance now. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Right? Let's do this. No. Well, that that's not going to help, it, is it? All right? We need to start afresh. And that's what we're trying to do, no?
0: An extra resource for people to use, well, for the police to use or any police force mm-hmm. to use, really.
1: Yeah, yeah Which of means course.
0: that you know you're all, you're at, and it's great in terms of if you're looking at it from a political standpoint that you're actively taking steps to reduce and limit biasness as much as possible mm-hmm. within your organisation. Which means that you are staying relevant and keying up to date with the other organisations out there. Yeah. So you don't become this sort of like relic of a system where everybody else is advancing and moving forward and you're there still, you know, on dial-up internet trying to figure <laughs> out how to get from A to B. And we stop the conversation there and we return back to our scenario. So now you and your colleague, you've managed to catch the group of young men and you systematically search each member. A crowd is now forming and their camera phones are out filming the whole process. The casual shouts of police brutality and racist puncture in the air, each search so far has turned up negative. Your colleague is writing the details down, and pressure is now mounting. Under the camera phones, you can't afford to make a mistake. Your job and reputation is on the line. With a weight of accountability heavy on your shoulders, you search the last guy, the one who caught your eye initially. You can feel your heartbeat increasing, and yes, there in the waistband you found something. The crowd becomes louder, and a sigh of relief escapes you as you pull out a knife, quickly passing it to your colleague for evidence. Success! One less weapon on the street, one less casualty but is it? Three other people in the group were searched, with a negative result. The video images were circulate through communities, but how many views will they get and would the story become distorted over time? So what is the public perception now? Statistically representative of the current stop and search figures, would you consider this good proactive policing? Was there enough evidence to even stop? And what would you have done? Throughout the podcast we have given you an insight into policing. We invite you to connect with us and join in with the stop and search discussion. Thank you for listening and please follow us on social media for updates. This podcast was brought to you by the team at RootAware.